My name is Sebastian Couture, and I'm here with Federica Ernst and Eduardo from Dabnod. Dabnod, yeah. How are you doing? Doing well. Thank you for having me here. Great. Well, thanks for joining us on such short notice. Always. <laughs> so this is a bit of a special Epicenter episode, um, not only because we're all here together at Full Mode Studio, also because we're doing a live stream, which is not something we usually do, uh, but also because we're here in Berlin during DAPCON, uh, which we'll talk about. And, you know, DAPCON has been on, on a forced hiatus for the last couple of years, uh, obviously because of COVID. And um, also we are here on the day... Uh, well, in, in the next hours, the, the merge will happen. And so it's a very uh, special time to be here in Berlin. Before we get started and uh, chat about everything that's been happening on this week and what's happening in the next couple of days, I'd like to first tell you about our sponsor this week. TallyHo is really finding the wallet as a public good. You can think of it as a community-owned alternative to MetaMask. TallyHo offers a much smoother experience and is com uh, compared to other wallets. It has an impressive UI where users can easily see all of their account balances at once and swap between assets within their wallet at a much lower price. The wallet also offers one of the best ledger integrations and full ENS and UNS domain name support. Two weeks ago, they launched their community pledge with over 70,000 signers, dedicating their commitment to defending Web3, and you can still sign the pledge on the site. They recently just added their first sidechain, Polygon. On TallyHo, Polygon support is now built in automatically and is ready to use without the need to go through any step-by-step -step manual integration. With TallyHo, you can enter the metaverse with a Web3 wallet that is fully community-owned and operated, and it's the first wallet that is also a DAO. TallyHo's commitment to community ownership and public goods stretches beyond the wallet. In January, it became the sponsor of Ether.js, an open-source JavaScript library, helping developers connect to Ethereum, and they recently announced a pledge to commit 2.5% of the total token supply to a uh, Gitcoin aqueduct. So head to tally.cash to redefine your Web3 wallet experience. Let's let's maybe first talk a little bit about uh, DAPCON, which is still going on today uh, over uh, a couple of couple of kilometers from here. So what, what's DAPCON and um, what's the what's the significance of, of DAPCON 2022? Uh, DAPCON it's very much an Ethereum community conference, very much in the spirit of ECC and uh, DEFCON. We've actually had DEFCON twice before, uh, in 2018 and 2019. And then we were going to have it on uh, in 2020 and was cancelled because of COVID. And so we moved it to 2021, was cancelled again because of COVID. And now it's 2022. And finally, uh, we're back. We're in a new venue by the Spree. Um, it's, it's great venue. You know, yeah, I like the venue. Yeah. I, I just renewed for next year. Next year, so basically, we'll be there again next year. Awesome. So StepCon will happen again, twenty twenty three. Yeah, so basically, uh, it's lots of talks about um, Ethereum infrastructure and DApps, and it's very builder heavy. There's not a lot of business development, which I personally really like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think one of the interesting sort of developments, and you know, which also is because of this like two year break, is that. The last DAPCON, there was no Gnosis chain. Yeah. There was no exactly. Gnosis chain. Exactly. Even, even last DAPCON, there would not have been a Gnosis chain because Gnosis chain kind of, it it uh, basically Gnosis and XDAI merged to create Gnosis chain in November of last year. So basically, yeah, yeah it's it's been it's been a crazy year for us. But mm -hmm. the really nice thing is that, um, I mean, Berlin used to be like this Web3 hub. 
And we lost a little bit of that, you know, during COVID and, you know, you know, in the direction of Lisbon, which I'm still salty about, to be honest. <laughs> because I have kids in school. I'm not going to, you know, pack up and leave. Um, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, so basically it used to be like this vibrant place. And kind of it, after COVID, it's kind of slowly coming back. Basically, full note, our co-working space here is almost fully booked again. So there's like, I think in October, there'll be like a one, you know, one, two person office becoming available but basically in principle it's fully booked yeah um uh and uh yeah so basically this is you know dapcon has historically been part of berlin blockchain week and we also brought that back this year yeah. so basically there's um a whole host of conferences in the next two uh, in the next couple of days so basically ETH berlin. Dap yeah ETH berlin is going to happen and it's june con um and zk hack yes. and like a, a million side events um, there's like too many parties to go to. Um, there's one tonight at a swimming pool, which I feel <laughs> like you know, it's, it's from the cow protocol. So really, I I I um I ought to go, but I feel like I'm I'm too old for this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I have a um, very special um, feeling with Dapcon because here. Um, it was the first time that I can publicly talk about Dapcon, so mm -hmm. I, I I have this very special memory uh but i i really love this um this feeling of a small community it's like it's it's like a family at some point and i really love this kind of conference in which you feel so comfortable talking with friends sharing ideas sharing new technologies and this vibe is, is really amazing i totally agree that um i have the feeling that we lost a little this berlin uh, spirit during the pandemic but i really want to See us a little is yeah. Berlin again um, because it was amazing when the W3 uh, well, the W3 Summit, DatCon, uh, Berlin, then it was Praga uh, that, that, the last time. And yeah, um, I'm really, really happy to see it happening again and see that the next year is going to also to happen. <laughs> it's crazy. I was always a big fan of DatCon and uh, coming to Berlin. Uh, used to be like a regular thing for me so like i feel sometimes like I, i know more crypto people in berlin than i do in paris for some reason but so yeah it, it was great and just like seeing everybody again and all the, like, these familiar faces that i hadn't seen in three years and um yeah i'm also like i'm always generally just excited about the gnosis chain ecosystem i mean even though i'm on a day-to-day -day more involved in cosmos i think the gnosis chain ecosystem is like super interesting just like, lots of great people lots of people talking and working on Uh, things like governance and dApps. And so, um, yeah, I think it's like a really cool ecosystem where like lots of actual stuff is being built. Um, you know, talking to Patricio from uh, Poap uh, yesterday, and this was also his sentiment that, you know, at the last AppCon, you know, we were talking about those these like kind of prospective things that were going to happen that were going to come into fruition in the next couple of years. And, and now they are like people are actually building businesses like using Gnosis chain and building actual use cases and like actual things that people use. So that's actually pretty cool. Yeah, I I, th I, I totally feel that. And I think basically we've been through, uh, in terms of decentralization and um, culture, I think we've been through Nadia. So it, it means value, right? So, mm. well, yeah. So basically we've been kind of at, at a low point. So basically I think kind of when people started building businesses, kind of re-centralizing you know, is easy in a way, mm -hmm. right? So basically yeah. kind of like you, 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 the, the, the easiest way to build things is in a centralized, centralized fashion, yeah. even, even if it's on a blockchain, 
And I think kind of people, at least in my bubble, they've kind of just started kind of becoming wary of that um, and kind of trying to head back into the re-decentralized Doubling down. Yeah, doubling down on decentralization. And I mean, I think, I mean, you've always been like on the, I mean, for for everyone who's listening, who's not familiar with Edu. So Edu's um, Edu's building a company called Dabnode, which is on the face of it, a a hardware company, but really it's a software company. It makes it really easy for you to stake at home. So basically it's kind of geared towards the, you know, uh, run your own node, run your own validator at home kind of crowd. And, uh, maybe you can tell us kind of how you've seen the last couple of years years in terms of um, centralization and yeah. decentralization. Yeah, good topic, to be honest. Yeah, the, the thing is, um, well, in Damnod, we usually have a lemma. Uh, we, we, we tell people that we decentralize until it hurts and centralize <laughs> until it works. So that should be the way to work, right? We need to focus on decentralization and then make the things work. Obviously, if you go completely decentralized, there is something that needs to be built. So maybe you have not, are not going to have a problem ever. <laughs> but I think it's important to have this balance and it's important to focus on the important part. Um, I have the feeling that we are losing, losing the um, decentralization at some point. For example, at the very beginning of Dabnot, the first proof of content in 2017, we were able to resolve ENS domains with IPFS websites and and people didn't use it at all. Uh, so we lost that. And now seeing all these things that happening, all these censorship things is when people realize that we are losing our path in some way. So I, I see a lot of business growing um, and trying to follow the diff- the reverse path path, centralize and then make it decentralized, but that's not working uh, because at the end, um, decentralized is not easy. It's, it's a real challenge. And that is why you need to have that in your mind from the very beginning. You need to focus on decentralization, see how it can work. And then if it's needed, try to centralize. But um, we I have the feeling that we are, are changing our mind. I don't know why, maybe new people in the community that doesn't have this feeling of decentralization or don't, or maybe they don't realize of the importance of decentralization. So that is why I try to focus on education also, the importance of decentralization, the benefits of uh, censorship resistant networks, the, 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 the importance of, of privacy. And that is why, yeah, try to uh, educate people on that sense. Yeah, and I mean, just to kind of spell it out, um, especially when you move to proof of stake, um, and basically, lots of people don't really want to stake from home. They just delegate. You end up with a lot of large stakers. And basically, that's not really decentralized network in terms of resilience. So basically, if it's just the number of people you kind of need to call to kind of shut it down or that's, yeah. Uh, yeah. In terms of, of uh, proof of stake, it's also a big issue, obviously. Um, right now, um uh, the top five uh, staker control the 63% of the network. It's crazy. It's too much. And um, and the thing that we have seen is that this number has grown. It's, it's, that means that we are not fishing that problem. The thing is, the, mm. the, the, the problem is making even worse. And and also from the point of view of the VPS or, or, or cloud providers, um, for example, Hefner recently ban um, crypto application on their servers. So that means that we are going to lose uh, uh, 50% of the nodes of the network because of that. Obviously, the people are going to move to another 
provider, but at the moment that we are centralizing our infrastructure in cloud provider or in big stakers, we are losing all the benefits that we can get from decentralized technology. And yeah, without wanting to kind of, I totally take your point. I think for heads, there's only for shared instances, though. Basically, if you have your own server, you can do what you want. Short yeah, of and they haven't been super, I mean, as far as I know, they haven't been like very explicit and clear about that. It's just been kind of like these hand wavy statements, right? Or have they come up with something more clear since? And to be honest, I, I don't know no one that um, started to suffer in it, but they yeah. make an, an statement on the direction and, and it's risky. I mean, maybe it's not um, something that can hurt us. But uh, my, my point of view on the Hetzner thing is that it, it's great. I mean, like, so we run validators at Interop, we run validators on Hetzner uh, just because I used Hetzner and I, I, you know, I liked it and it's quite cheap. But when I realized, look, looking uh, at the validator set in a lot of Cosmos blockchains that something like you know the you know, high percentage like in the 50 to 60 percent of uh nodes on some chains are running on hetzner like we immediately said like we're moving away from hetzner not because they're kicking us out but because we want to we want to be on servers that other people are not on so we're moving to like you know um french uh service providers so i i actually think that the fact that hetzner uh is is kicking off if if it if it does in fact start closing accounts that uh it would probably be a decentralizing factor now the the flip side of that is like everybody moves to AWS, like that it's doesn't even make it, yeah. it's even worse. And Google Cloud. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, for me, Hedner thing was a wake up call to um, let people know that we are still centralizing in that sense. But yeah, yeah. Um, I am also running nodes in Hedner and Dubnode. So, I mean, yeah. I am not against VPS. It's just to try to balance the situation between providers, stakers. I think it needs to be a space for all of us. Yeah. And I mean, so basically what we've seen recently with um, the, uh, the tornado OFAC enforcement action. Hmm. Yeah. So, totally. so this is, so we, we recently had an, I recently had an episode with uh, Peter, uh, Peter from, from Coin Center yeah. um, on the entire tornado thing. And uh, th that's where I learned that Alex is not actually held in connection with the OFAC um, thing, but apparently in the Netherlands, there's a negligent money laundering law, which seems crazy because, I mean, every time you get money, you can't, I mean, if, if I sell you a chocolate bar, um, I shouldn't have to, 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 to query you to kind of ascertain that you have um, obtained the funds you're using to pay for that chocolate bar, mm. you know, in a legitimate manner. So, yeah, so it seems like, it seems like it's very high yeah. burden. Yeah. So uh, I'm not sure whether this will hold up, but apparently they have a hundred days to kind of sh charge him, and they haven't yet. Yeah. Um, it's been but, months. But yeah, obviously, kind of ha putting the tornado um, addresses on the OFAC list—that's been shocking because I mean it's never really happened to infrastructure before. I mean, it's happened to individual people or, or organizations. It's not happened to like technology. So, and I think I think there's a good chance that this will be revoked in due time. But I think what's really threatening to us right now is overcompliance. So basically just too many people who just don't care and who don't want to bear the burden of, you know, carrying the risk of maybe being shut down and like something just because they didn't. So basically just out of an abundance of caution, um, that their general counsel say, yeah, you should just, you know, ban these, uh, uh, these accounts kind of like, and then they do. And I think kind of overcomplying that way as an ecosystem, I as as an ecosystem that is meant to be built on kind of permissionless innovation, that's kind of like the core value. That's appalling. And it's also in a way, it's also a way to kind of um, separate uh, 
the good beans from the bad beans, right? Kind of just see who overcomplies um, mm. without having to. Uh, mm. And the people who don't overcomply, um, those are the people who are actually committed to the values. I think it was um, uh, Karan, your your general counsel I was speaking with uh, this week, who was uh, pushing for clear guidance on minimum um, compliance. Right. So yeah, we would love to yeah. see that out of Adan. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Adan has been the most the most reliable of all the you know European lobbying formations, um, interest groups. Yeah. So I I think basically having like some sort of playbook, mm -hmm. like. What do I actually have to do? And what do other people do just because, you know, they don't care? I think that would actually be super cool. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. we, we had a couple of things we wanted to hit on today. So, we, you know, we've kind of talked about uh, DAPCON a little bit, veered off into some <laughs> other topics. Um, I mean, I, I think um, the merge is, is something that um, we should maybe touch on, although... We had we had some we had some concerns about when this would come out and whether so, yeah. I think for for those listening, if this comes out, if you're listening to this after the merge, please keep in mind this was recorded uh, a few <laughs> hours before the merge. So yeah, maybe, maybe from your perspective, you know, because you, you run a company that um, you know helps people run their own nodes and their own validators. Uh, what is this? What is the significance of this to you? And and how do you see this like affecting your business? But you know, like long term, the ecosystem. And maybe give us a brief recap of what has happened so far. Yeah, so basically, yeah. because basically the, the the merge, we've been talking about this for six years, right? Yeah. So <laughs> so basically, maybe, and I think it's changed a lot during that time frame. And you were there for all of it. Yeah, so more, more maybe. Really, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all the things that have happened to be here today, uh, I mean, the, the roadmap of Ethereum has changed so many times that it, it's even hard to to think about all the things that have changed. For example, I remember when you need to stake uh, 1,500 ETH to be able to be a validator because of the signature of the of the validators. Uh, you were not able to aggregate all of them because of the technology, and then BLS happened and it changed everything. We moved to 32 ETH. And if I am right, I think Vitalik announced this in uh, EdCon Toronto, uh, 2018, and that changed everything um, from the proof of stake perspective. Then, uh, when we decide to to integrate, for example, uh, the execution client into one shard, so we can get the execution client inside the the proof of stake chain, uh, that was a, another big change because we. We took all, or what we are taking all, and we continue in it uh, right now. I think one of the most challenging, uh, most changing things was the Vitalik post related to the uh, Ethereum uh, rollup centric. That changed all the rules, I think, because at the moment where uh, it was when uh, rollups start to happening, and and we realized the technology of zero knowledge can help a lot to um, increase the transaction per second, um, and then it. it we realize also that um, the sharding with execution is something so complex uh, that it, it it could lead to um, uh, having a less performant network. So um, yeah, we uh, it, it create a new paradigm in which uh, we can now have uh, that availability on sharding, and then the rollups can grow uh, on top of it. And then it's now we need breaches, uh, so we have changing all the all the ecosystem because of all of all these all of these. 
Um, new specs, new challenges. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, thanks, Charlene, and, and the future of the of that ability is going to be another real challenge. But I think the the feeling is that uh, in Cancun, for example, we have that feeling that the merch is going to happen just right the corner, <laughs> and four years later, it's happening. Um, I think that this is um, um, something that can change all the rules of everything. I, I have the feeling that we are part of the history of blockchain and, and, and being in Berlin uh, uh, at that moment, the, the, the same place in which Ethereum born is like magical, right? And also, um, and also from the dominant point of view, we have the feeling that the our community members feel part of this. I mean, it's if you are um, a home staker alone, it's like you are alone in your home, but the feeling is that we have is a community that all together are in that direction, and and it's it's really important to be part of something, and I think that this is really nice also. Yeah, but the, the things have changed a lot. I mean, um, for example, um, during genesis of uh, of uh, of proof of stake, we even mm-hmm. don't know when the withdrawal is going to happen, and we don't have that yet. <laughs> The, the the ecosystem is is growing in, in in terms of technology also because now we are introducing vertical trees that was a technology that um, one year ago maybe we don't know how to to explore it so everything is changing but uh, but I also have the feeling that this is um, really strong because of the maturity of the technology we have evolved in during the years this is not just an idea of six months that just deliver so yeah the feeling is that we are making the the roots of something new. That's really, really nice. Your, your thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. It's been coming for so long. And now it's coming at really inopportune time, like at 6 a.m. Uh, <laughs> tomorrow morning. Uh, full note is going to be open all night. Um, there's going to be war rooms here of kind of people kind of uh, tracking the merge and making sure the core clients work and pick up and is there going to be like a screen like like when ethereum when ethereum launched launched, we should probably do that we should probably set that up today yeah Yeah. i mean we'll have a long basically it'll it'll be a long night so i think we have time to kind of set up stuff um and then um at the merge um so there there there's this um uh this artist this uh musician who kind of synthesized the history of ethereum into um a uh, musical composition. So basically, I, I may be paraphrasing this wrong because basically my musical knowledge is zero. So basically, forgive me if I do. Um, <laughs> so I think he's kind of um, taken each block and kind of uh, somehow um, calculated a musical note from it. So basically, um, there's like the the number of blocks are the number of musical notes. It takes about a half hour to perform and mm-hmm. will be performed at the merge because obviously this is kind of when when like Ethereum proof of work ends and so it's he's kind performing of like, it live he's performing it live here at full note <laughs> wow. so basically it's 6 6 30 a.m or something be here or be square um <laughs> uh yeah so basically it, it'll it'll happen it'll all happen despite the very unfortunate timing in this uh you know central european time zone <laughs> yeah. it's like uh yeah should have been on the west coast or something it's like <laughs> 9 p.m that's like nice Perfect and cozy time. yeah but uh yeah no it's all happening and uh, I mean, the the office where Ethereum launched, it, it's no longer, I mean, basically, it's no longer the the ETHDEV office. They moved out a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. So basically, like the, the, the golden office and everything, it's gone. Um, but maybe we can kind of have the merge here. It would be nice. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I think this is a good place to have it. Don't have so many eggs in the Ethereum basket in terms of like a 
I'm not building anything on Ethereum. You know, it feels like really kind of nice to be here while it's happening. And um, <laughs> yeah, I, I also remembering all the complexity that we have add, added to the network also because. I still remember at the beginning when you can run a node in just um, a laptop and, and um, then the, the chain started to grow. Now we have execution, consensus. Um, we have a lot of pieces in, in, the, in the ecosystem. Now also the MEV boost is also a new piece, uh, proposable separation. So for, from the point of view of a, of a user, um, it, it has increased the difficulty to be part of the network. And that is why we run down that mainly to try to remove that complexity from the users to um, to allow anyone uh, to run a node. I think it's important that because otherwise um, we are only going to have technical people around this, and this is not decentralization either. So trying to board as much as possible people, I think, is uh, something very important for the future of Ethereum. And 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 the thing is, we are making so changes, uh, making uh, the network with. Um, a lot of things, not a new cryptography is making even harder, but it's worthy, obviously. Um, yeah, let's talk about the new cryptography. So the the, the new cool, cool kit on the block, obviously, um, is uh, ZK-based trustless bridges. Mm-hmm. And you're involved in them too, because you have your fingers in everything yeah. you do. <laughs> <laughs> <That's true. laughs> yeah, I, yeah, totally. Yeah, for me, bridges have been always... Um, a problem in the ecosystem because it, uh, you need to have operators and you need to have trust on them. It's always the weak, the weak piece of the network. We have seen several hacks in the last years because of that, because the bridge are not safe. Um, I mean, I really, really would like to have this trustless solution happening. And I have the feeling that with this technology, uh, technology, we can start to create this bridge between different networks, for example, between Gnosis and, and Ethereum, because since um, we are um, sharing technology, sharing um, cryptography, it's even possible to create these bridges. So, for example, the thing is the consensus client, um, according to the design, uh, is able to um, have the state on smart contracts. So. Being able to have the state of other blockchain allows you to create proof of the state in other blockchain using technology, ticket technology. And that is um, game changing, right? Because you, you don't depend on no one. You only depend on someone publishing proofs. And this allows to create the trustless bridge that is... Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe to give, give some background on this. So, I've, I mean, we've ha- had trustless bridges in the past, but they were all optimistic, right? So basically yeah. it kind of... it. It, they relied on people monitoring them and challenging uh, the state um, if the transition if they think the transition was was invalid. So basically, in a way, it was trustless, but in in a game theoretical kind of way. Whereas the new type of bridges, the zk light client bridges, they are trustless in you know um, you know in mathematical crypto cryptographic way. And I mean that is it is a game changer. No? Yeah, totally. I have that feeling. I mean. Yeah, but going back to decentralization and, and decentralization digital health, decentralization digital works, it, it makes sense to have these um, breaches because they are needed. And um, But we have saw that the current ones um, is is hard to maintain. It, it has a lot of risks. And this is a game changer for sure because you remove all these trust, all these insecurities, and, and you add just yes, a connection between networks. 
and seeing the future of, uh, of Ethereum to um, set up, uh, to be able to support several uh, rollups and several TK uh, EVMs is even more important to create this bridge in a trustless because we are going to have a lot of connection between them and, and that's a critical uh, infrastructure point. So seeing how this new technology allows us to create these kind of things is, is really amazing. I am really excited about all of this and really, to be honest, I've been talking about um, this trustless bridge with Jordi um, four years ago, three years ago, how we can create a knowledge proof of Bitcoin inside Ethereum, validate a proof of work. <laughs> was crazy, but I mean, we have been thinking about that from several several years and, and this is going to change everything, or that is my feeling. There's also going to be a panel I'm looking forward to very much this afternoon um, to, on, uh, you know, zero knowledge bridges with uh, Hardy and Alex um, from Matalabs and Uma. And uh, originally Vitalik was also slated to be on the panel, but Unfortunately, he's sick, so um, mm. he he called out. But uh, I, I'm still very much looking forward to that because I feel like this is the real new thing this year. So, I mean, basically everything else that's kind of around, we've in principle had this for, for a long time. So, for instance, I know, I mean, if you look at DAOs, how much they're proliferating and it, it, it warms my heart. It's fantastic. But basically, DAOs, in the grand scheme of things, they're not new, right? So basically, we all knew this was going to come at some point. There would be DAOs and basically there would be large-scale coordination. And basically, yeah, CK, CK bridges, super cool, so bullish. Hmm. I'm, I'm, I mean, coming coming from the more from the Cosmos side, you know, where we have IBC, which is a, potentially a protocol to send messages between chains, and you know, IBC is made possible because every every chain uses the same consensus algorithm, and so chains are able to validate the consensus of other chains, and so therefore, like, there's this trust minimized aspect there. And I think the thing that 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 I'm really hoping for is to have some sort of like shared standards across like these different ecosystems, and so. I understand that, like from the from the point of view of Ethereum, it's difficult to and, and EVM chains is difficult to implement uh, IBC type uh, consensus uh, between between all the different rollups because they might have different assumptions about like finality and things like that. But yeah, I'm I'm like really really quite hopeful that protocols like things like composable finance and you know, these um, cross-domain um, layers that allow liquidity to flow between uh, ecosystems, but also allow instructions to flow with ecosystems is going to be really, really important in the next couple of years. And ZK Bridges, like, is part of the types of solutions that can kind of flow into these more broad uh, interoperability networks. Totally. Um, the thing is, or the, the feeling that I have is this uh, technology is evolving a lot. Uh, things that we thought that were impossible one year ago now uh, are a reality. Um, the CKVM, um, be able to have recursive stacks and be able to generate the reproduce the state uh, of, of Ethereum. Um, I mean, we are just discovering this technology and imagine that in the future you can use a technology truth to validate the state of two different networks. Yes, using the technology to um, connect them and in a secure uh, manner. And the thing is, um, there is a lot of uh, projects working on this direction, Technology, T-Rex Park, um, Miden. Um, a lot of people are interested in this technology because it's a game-changing technology. It's not just because of the breaches. You can think further, you can think about privacy, you can think about identity. 
be able to pass a Kawasaki with a third knowledge proof, uh, these kind of things can change everything, can change the world as we know. Oh, that is my feeling. I am totally bullish on, on TK technology. And I think it's maybe we don't realize yet about all the potentials that this can have, not just for Ethereum, just for users. So really bullish in, in that. <laughs> is it correct to assume that with with these, uh, I was talking to someone um, last week who was, who was building like a ZK layer for interoperability, and you know, looking at it from the user's perspective, what that would allow is essentially like, you know, you could go on OpenSea and pay with any any currency, like you could pay with DOT or Atom or whatever, and like the user wouldn't know the difference because the ZKVM would, the ZK bridge would be making those transactions sort of in the background and like doing all the swaps and everything in order for like OpenSea to finally receive like ETH or whatever like that, that it needs. Is that like the kind of the goal in the user experience from the user uh, experience side? Yeah, I think maybe I'm wrong, but I have the feeling that right now we are not thinking too much in users <laughs> uh, because if you start to think about now we have several chains, we have Gnosis chain, we have Ethereum, we have Avalanche, we have a lot of chains uh, with different address in different networks. For the user, that is crazy to understand what's happening. We saw in the past people sending funds to an address in another network and, and I mean, we need to fix that for sure. Usability should be another um, thing to start to work hard because I have the feeling that every day, since we are having adding more technology, we are adding bridges, we are networks, we are making even harder for users and and um, try to abstract that complexity also from the use, user perspective and, and usage of the network is critically important. More <laughs> the same critical that is the technology is, is that users can use it. Otherwise, it makes no sense to have the technology. I 100% agree. So I I was um, I moderated a panel um, last night um, about um, how to actually make blockchain improve the life of the many. And basically, I think I think the number one takeaway was. We have to ship this to the normies. We have basically, basically, it's like if we if we're building technology for the same one million people worldwide, this is not gonna this is not gonna no. cut it. It's not gonna cut it. We kind of we need to make it easy to use, and basically, it starts with the onboarding experience, right? I mean, you open a wallet and it says, yeah, these are the twelve words. Never share them with anyone. Don't lose them, or you'll actually lose access to all of your before you've even done a single thing. It's like, what the fuck is this? I mean, it's been like it's been ten years. Why do we still have this? It's like, um, yeah, I mean, we need account abstraction. We kind of we need to abstract everything away from the user. And I mean, if you look at the internet, um, it's a mess. You know, in the back end, it's a complete mess. It's 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 a miracle that the internet actually usually works. Um, and we don't ask anyone to understand TCP IP. Exactly. It's like no one knows how it works. It just works. And this is kind of, this is where we need to get. Yeah, this is where we totally. kind of, we need to make it, you know, you know, ship it to the normies. This is like, we, I, think this I don't know if you remember, but at the last DAPCON, I, I think I was moderating the panel. You were on the panel, but we did a panel together about this very topic about user experience. And and it was. What I think, did I say? I, I, I don't, I don't remember. remember. <laughs> but I I, I I think I think that yeah we've we've been talking about this for years and it, I mean it's getting a little bit better. I think the thing mm. I used to say was you know we need we need to look at the metric of like monthly active non crypto nerds uh, joining yeah. right and and uh, I, I think from the from the wallet side like there has been some advancements. I'm I'm a big fan of Zengo and like what they're doing with threshold signature and I think you know cryptography is making it 
a lot easier uh, for users to onboard. And of course, there's not like full custody, but it is better than like, it, it, it's, it's much better than like being on an exchange. And then on the other side, it's much better than having like worry about your seed phrase. So like cryptography is making it easier for people to, for people to build, you know, products that make it easier for people to end up using the, the you know, the final like, crypt, you know, crypto in, in general. And then, you know, I think like, looking at uh, ZK bridges and ZK VMs and how they're going to allow a lot of this, they're going to allow like this to be abstracted away. I think, yeah, I think like in the end, like cryptography is, is actually uh, a catalyst for a lot of uh, great user experiences implemented properly. And, you know, with the right, um, with the right sort of like interfaces. Did I tell you that um, on Nose chain, there's going to be, basically there's currently um, a uh, pilot with 2,000 credit cards. They mm. have their real Visa credit cards. They have credit card numbers. They are backed with um, XDAI on Gnosis chain. Um, and you can pay, basically you hold them yourself. So basically the credit card is also um, a, 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 a key. So it's also a hardware wallet. Mm. Um, and you hold them yourself. No one has custody. So you know, you know those crypto backed credit cards. Usually, the the person who issues them, they always have custody. But basically, with this credit card, you ha you have custody, and um, and you tap it on the Visa terminal. And there's some there's a payment provider in between who kind of takes your XDAI, trans you know, who converts it to US dollars or euros or whatever, and pays um, and enters it into the Visa payment network. This is, I mean, basically, this is this is cool enough. But if the if the person you're paying also is has uh, one of those accounts on Gnosis chain, you would actually bypass the Visa system. So you mm. basically you would tap your credit card, which is also your hardware wallet, and it would automatically just send it from one account to the other. And this is the kind of user experience exactly. that we need. This totally. is what we need. Basically, it's like augmentative user experience. Yeah, right? you, so, basically yeah. it's kind of like you don't need to know how it works. So for instance, I don't know. So for instance, GPS, uh, you know, sat nav on your phone. You use it all the time. Do you know how special relativity kind of impacts the way that kind of the the, <laughs> the, the, the satellites kind of determine where you are? No, you freaking don't. It's like, and it's it just works. Oops. And this is kind of how I see trust as bridges. So basically, you shouldn't have to know about the exactly. trust as bridges. They should just be there. Basically, it should just work. And that should be the general user experience. Totally, totally. I don't know if you remember uh, in Prague, I don't know what project uh, made a video, a parody of the current situation. How is the process to onboard people? It's called a lemon coin. I really recommend that because it's a parody of all the process that you need to pass to. We link to it in the show notes. <laughs> I think I remember this. Yeah. Uh, it's, it was in Prague and it's like the full process that you need to to follow to be able to use um, projects. And it, it was it was so fun, but the, the, the sad part is that we are in the same place. We have not improved anything of that, or that is the feeling, that we are still asking users for holder keys, they lose them, people doesn't realize that um, if you tell this uh, word to someone, he can install you. Even we have seen, uh, we have saw in our channels, uh, people um, um, uh, telling other ones that they are damn support, and they stole money from them. <laughs> so people are, it's, yeah, it's not just sociability, it's education also, because, I mean, I think in general, uh, people that are uh, of Saudis are not used to control keys, to be responsible of that. And and we need to educate, and it's not just also uh, usability. This, yeah, happens, this happened to me, like, this still happens to me, where, for instance, I, in my POAP, 
it asks for an ENS name. I put my Argent ENS name, <laughs> but Argent doesn't support Gnosis Chain. And I you know, like, didn't think about it. I was like, here, this is my ENS name, like the, the one that I use on my phone. So, and then I was talking to Patricia, and he says, well, but, getting those back is going to be hard. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for example, I, I just remember at the very beginning, I, I used the Gnosis Multisig, uh, and it was very good at the moment, really secure. And then Gnosis Safe happened. And now, the usability of a multi a multi signature wallet is has improved a lot. Also, uh, the gas. So basically, when we first created the multisig, like basically gas was not a thing. Basically, it was super cheap anyway. So basically, the, the, you you didn't pay pay any attention to it. And I know that basically, just probably about a year ago or some something, I emptied our last multisigs, and then basically it was so freaking expensive. I paid like exactly. to, I paid just to get the funds out. I paid like two thousand dollars in gas or something just to get the funds out. You know, to modern safe. It's like oh. Same situation in the association to move the funds from the old one to the new one was so expensive. But now, for example, you have no seat safe in, in different networks with the same address. So that's... Oh, no, no. So this is something. Yeah. So generally, the assumption should be, and this is something that basically the, the, is, is a big no safe usability problem that basically on EOAs you can kind of force that you can get the same address on different networks and with with a safe you can't so basically there are some networks you can brute force it but mm-hmm. even then it's not easy and there are some networks where basically if you send it to the same address it's just gone and we've actually had this and um, that basically large amounts of funds like seriously like stupid amounts of funds like tens of millions were sent to the wrong network because the person wasn't paying attention and didn't do a test transaction. It's like, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's on them for not doing a test transaction, but it's also on us a little bit because you know it shouldn't be this easy to make a mistake. It's like uh, that's usability at the end. Is if you have different addresses in different networks, it's crazy sometimes to 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 use it. And also, for example, we only have ENS in one network, and unless you use centralized providers to to translate it, and that's also another problem of usability. Because you cannot tell someone your ENS name in one network, and it's not going to be the same in the other one, or is mm. who knows? Oh, you have to decide where the registry is, where you can update it, and so on. We're we're having an ENS bridge built to Gnosis Chain with a gateway. It'd be nice, but yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's all of it. I think there are so many usability questions, but yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But I think kind of onboarding people and kind of seeing where they go wrong and then fixing that. This is what we need to do. Yeah, going back to the point, we need to in- improve the usability to get more people involved in this and to increase the decentralization. At the end, this is all about decentralization. This is also that something that PoApp does really well. I mean, they've minted 5 million PoApps. I mean, that's adoption. That's like, I mean, it's not quite like, uh, I mean, it's not like Google, but I mean, it's it's not 5 billion people, but 5 million people in terms of, your, you know, for, 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 for a Web3 project, that is massive. Yeah, and looking through, it, looking at the list, super you, easy it's to make. Looking at the list of people, poets that people uh, create, it, it, it's not all web stuff. It's like, hey, Jim's birthday, or what, you know, <laughs> like there, there's there's people using poet that that are not probably not like native crypto people or like people who come to conferences like this. And you can make product. it on your. So I I was I mean I was at a dinner last night and we made a poet for the people you know just sitting there like between between main course and dessert we made a poet and we distributed it for to the people out there you know and like fifty people redeemed it 
And so basically now it's like all the 50 people who were at that dinner um, have a poet from that dinner. And basically it was on on the phone, like it was, yeah, it was super easy to make. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And they have these, uh, they were selling these nice, nice POAP cards here, uh, NFC. And so you can put your POAP in here. And you guys want my POAP? Yeah, yeah, I want to I met Sebastian in, 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 in Berlin. <laughs> Live stream POAP distribution here. Oh, this is cool. Anyway, um, yeah, so th- th- this is a cool thing too, like being so able to this have your... This uh, thing inside. So yeah. basically now it'll take me to the We Are Minting Your POAP. Yeah. Nice. So you've met Seb 3.0 in Berlin in September 2022. Hmm. Here you go. Yeah. And and what's nice about this too is it tells you how many people met met you before me. Yeah, but you can also put like your Telegram handle in the description, so you you can kind of like, oh, it's like a good way to share your Telegram handle too. So oh, really nice. This is but totally I mean, this was a hundred bucks, but <laughs> so uh, Zaki met you. Yes, um, it was his first poem too. But he has two now. Yeah, he has two now, but it was his first one. And he he met Patricio, yeah. so basically it's like the golden tube. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of it's it's a it's a way of kind of displaying and curating your own like life experiences. I think this is also something that would benefit from a layer of ZK stuff on top, right? So basically, I mean, maybe not. Maybe I don't want everyone to see this, and this is a fictitious example because I'm I'm you know I'm a boring mom. But say all the <laughs> say I check into like KitKat or something. Like maybe I don't want everyone to see that, but you know, just you know the KitKat crowd. So it's kind of like yeah. I mean, it's like uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think that that sort of thing will come, and it's I mean. For things like POAPs, but also for things just like you know your your general financial oh, uh, yeah, tra- privacy and transparency. What's uh, what, what do you guys expect is going to happen tonight? Hmm, a lot of fun here in the yeah. <laughs> I, guess. I think I think the merge is going to happen. Yeah, for just sure. you know, I mean, I, so basically they've tested it so many times. Yeah, this sh- works. Yeah, and I think it's going it's going to be okay. I mean, there's still so many different you know combinations of uh of clients i mean because now you have two clients right so basically you have like the uh the consensus layer and the execution layer and in principle they should work in any combination um and i think basically just just we... just for context here there's there's two clients there's a consensus and and, and uh execution and then for each of those there's like three or four clients exactly yeah, yeah. so and the, the so combinations you are get, you get like yeah. uh, like 20 combinations yeah. or something yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and so basically I think the worst that will happen is that one of these combinations uh, will fail. Um, I think, I mean, what do you think it's not going to? I don't think so. Well, I mean, who knows? <laughs> maybe, maybe tomorrow I can answer that question. But uh, I have the feeling that this has been testing several times in different networks. So, I mean, I have a good vibe on that. Obviously, some next cases can happen. This yeah. can, but, can happen. But even the test run, so basically, like, there were always some more things that kind of didn't go exactly according to plan. So basically, I would be, um, I mean, we'll see. I think basically, all in all, it's going to be fine. It'll be completely fine. But basically, yeah, is it going to be without hiccups, Edu? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I remember during the Genesis, for example, I remember that I think it was Prism were not able to propose blocks or something like that. They release a fix in a couple of hours. We publish it and everything started to work perfectly. The network worked. Uh, but was this kind of big fix that you need to do the the night of? Yeah, the, so um, I, I so I think in due time all combinations will work. I just exactly. think that basically maybe not at you know on block one. So it's uh, yeah. Yeah, maybe suddenly you realize that 
one client is not working, but yeah. this doesn't mean that this the network mean, is yeah, not so working. It means nothing bad for the network, but basically this is kind of the level of hiccup that I would expect. Hmm. I wouldn't expect like for Ethereum to go down. Uh, yeah, so, but yeah, it's a... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a real challenge. Maybe not all the people are realizing how hard it is. And, and the thing is, is so many pieces, it's so many technologies, so many clients, so many implementations, standards. I mean, uh, it has been a lot, but it's a lot of uh, work. Uh, but I have a very good feeling, obviously. I totally trust on the development that has been done. So, I mean, from my point of view, even, I mean, we are in the middle from the point of view of that, not because, because we are waiting if something happens. So we are um, nervous because of that. But indeed, the the feeling is that everything is going to be, well, maybe some fixes, but the normal things that can happen. Yeah, I agree. So what's next for uh, what's next for Gnosis Chain ecosystem? And um, except for this amazing credit card thing, <laughs> it's cool, right? This is really um, cool. How do you, so how do, how does that work? Where how does the credit card also how is the credit card also a hardware wallet? Um, it's from a company named Tangem, and okay. basically it's 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 like it's like a key in a credit card. I mean, basically they've been around forever. So basically, yeah. Status made them for a while, and mm, so basically yeah, have like you know like yeah. uh, you know card shaped private um, keys. As far as I know, um, they integrate the key on the chip and they use the Visa protocol. And it seems that the Visa protocol uh, has an empty payload. So they take benefit of that. They put the signature on that payload. So when you send to the reseller, if you are uh, able to process the crypto one, you process the crypto one. Otherwise, you use the regular Visa. But I'm not super I cool. mean, I am not an expert on that. Yeah, yeah so the thing I mean, that I heard yesterday. I, I, yeah, I, I don't know anything about the Visa protocol, but that's, me neither. That's, yeah. <laughs> and the Visa pro- So basically, I learned a lot about payment providers in the last half year since we've kind of been working on this. And the payment stack, it's a mess. It's like a complete mess. There's like 20 companies you go through on a regular basis for whatever reason. And then basically, yeah. So basically, the 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 way that it's actually handled is basically the the um, the point of sale software. So basically, there's companies who kind of handle the point of sale com- uh, software. The company we're working with, they have a million point of sale terminals in in Europe. Um, so basically, when you tap your credit card at I don't know your bakery or something, they may run this software, and th- this can be updated remotely. So basically, that's kind of their part of the payment stack, and this is who we integrate. Okay, with. but that they're building software that's like standardized across with like other payment. Software's yes. terminal, yeah. So like Ingenico or any of these other ones, like they all run by the same standards. I'd, I assume they would have like uh, the, the same standards, but obviously I don't. I don't know. It's like <laughs> it's like to me, it's all you know, like payment backend. Yeah, like, uh, I think the 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 payment stack, even though it's a mess, it's probably decently standard. Because like if you go to a place like Indonesia, they always have like six terminals. Yeah. And I think nothing works. Uh, but yeah, so coming back to Gnosis uh, and the Gnosis chain ecosystem, what what what's really exciting and like what are you most so, excited about? Coming? I'm I'm excited about many things. So basically, uh, one of the things I'm excited about is uh, Maker V3 um, is coming to Gnosis chain very shortly. Um, we still owe them some back backend support. It's like <laughs> uh, yeah, but but it's happening. I mean, it's a it's a general purpose chain. So basically, all the DeFi primitives and so on are, are there. Very much not a DeFi first chain. So basically, it's very much like a um, like a human centric chain. So basically, the um, uh, circles is um, on 
uh, Gnosis chain. UBI project. It's a circles. UBI project, uh, like, you know, decentralized web of trust based uh, UBI project. I think fundamentally UBI is something that we'll need um, in the next couple of uh, years if you want society to kind of keep existing in a nice fashion without, you know, like escalating inequality and so kind of baking it into the protocol. So it's not baked in, but it's kind <laughs> of one of the core pillars of the things that are on Gnosis Chain. So currently there's 200,000 accounts. And then, uh, yeah, PowerUp is on, on Gnosis Chain that obviously also pertains to individual people. So basically it's kind of your individual curated experiences. Then lots of DAOs are on Gnosis Chain. There's like 1,500 DAOs. And DAO tooling. And DAO lots tooling. Lots of DAO tooling. Lots of DAO tooling. Yeah. It's kind of one of the things we kind of made sure to build. So basically make it as as nice a place as possible for DAOs. Because basically you have DAOs, you have people, kind of that kind of ties, you know, well <laughs> into each other. You can have things like, you know, the things we've talked about forever, like joint stakeholdership in ventures and so on. You can you can um, distribute um funds from DAOs to people by kind of having like group currencies with um their with their web of trust. Uh, issued circles and so on. So basically, there's really good ways to integrate um, all of these things. Um, I am so basically. After, currently, we are obviously. I mean, obviously, you guys know. So basically, we, we merged with XDAI, and XDAI mm-hmm. was very much proof of authority. So there's like 21, you know, authorities that kind of validate the network, and we have launched um, the proof of stake beacon chain exactly the same as the the ethereum beacon chain and that beacon chain now has um over 100,000 validators so basically we will also have the merge just like uh, ethereum just it's i mean it's it's, it's a mess because it's a different consensus and it, 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 a slight difference between ethereum and gnosis that makes a little hard to make it this makes merge. it harder but we we'll, we'll get there yeah, uh, sure. in the in the next weeks um so basically then it will be the most decentralized network after Ethereum. So basically, Ethereum has 400,000 validators. Gnosis Chain has 100,000. And where we think that this um, stake-at-home movement, it's important. I mean, this is also why why we've partnered with Edu, just because it's, I mean, to, for true, for, for claiming credible neutrality and permissionless innovation, you need to have a network that belongs to everyone and something that belongs to everyone belongs to no one. It's like the credible neutrality of the base layer. I think this is kind of a virtue that we have lost over the last couple of years when people kind of scrambled to just build stuff. Hmm. And I think this is something that we need to re- to reclaim, like the cypherpunk 2022 movement. Um, yeah. And I mean, basically this vibes really well with, you know, like the tornado issues. We think privacy is a human right. So basically we think kind of if you look at how much privacy has been taken from us over the last 30 or 40 years, and it's it's only getting worse. So basically all your all your payment data, it's like banks are allowing people access to like the synthesized data of, you know, and you're spending and that's atrocious. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think this should be happening. So basically you should be able to kind of, you know, opt out of that, opt out yeah, and basically, absolutely. and I mean, cash which is kind of the untrackable form of money currently, this is being phased out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's there's many places you can't pay with cash nice. anymore. Yeah. Crazy. Somehow, 
it's been happening slowly. You you know you know the story about frog who kind of sits in a in in a pot of water, and you know you you apparently it turns out it's bullshit. It's not true, but I think it's a <laughs> it's it's a good um it's a good simile. So basically, this this uh, frog it sits in a pot of water, and basically if 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 the water boils, obviously you know you put it in and it, it jumps out. Mm-hmm. But if you put it in the water and it's like nice nice and cozy room temperature and then you slowly increase the temperature the frogs it sits and it sits and it sits until it until it's dead um and this is kind of this is this is how i it turns out it's bullshit apparently the frogs i mean this is something that greenpeace apparently made out to kind of um don't read that home yeah it's uh, greenpeace made this up for for like um an advert against climate change in the 90s so we see this of is all like, people of all people greenpeace yeah so um yeah. So, uh, but it, apparently it's not true. But for us, it's true. So basically, for us, basically, we, we are the frogs. It. We are the frogs, and basically, privacy has been stripped from us, like one bit at a time. So basically, like it. I mean, it used to be funny, right? Basically, like people used to say, "Don't say this on the phone, otherwise, you know, people will be listening." We we now know, you know, everything was being monitored, and somehow, somehow, Ed Snowden is still the bad guy who is, you know, in exile and in 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 Russia. Uh, and uh, we're making it like this is no big deal. It's like this is a freaking big deal. It's like your privacy is yours. <laughs> and yes, I mean, tornado cash was used by some bad guys, but it's a tool. It's a tool. We should all be using it. Hmm. Um, and uh, basically, in a way, maybe um, integrating it so deeply into the protocol that everyone uses it, uh, this will kind of remove the problem of kind of helping the terrorists because basically terrorists will be like 0.1 of a percent or something. They won't be there 50%, whatever. So, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, uh, in, in the, okay. I mean, I, I, I don't know the actual numbers of Tornado Cash and how many criminals are actually using it, but this idea that crypto has been used by criminals and terrorists and is primarily used by criminals and terrorists is like a total, it's, I mean, it's, it's a false idea yeah. and it's a debunked idea it's and a it de- is- de- de- but basically tornado cash did actually see quite Glitter, yes. yeah basically mm-hmm. if you looked at the the numbers so basically it was greatly exact exaggerated in the media and i think in coindesk just means at 80 percent. and basically there was um there was a chain analysis report that said like 30 percent or something so i i probably trust the chain analysis report but basically at some point basically if it's like if it's like 99 bad guys and vitalik I mean, we, I mean, we kind of, we have to ask ourselves, are we the baddies? And I think, mm. no, we're not the baddies. So I think we just build technology where, you know, there's a very obvious first adopter uh, because they're, you know, their need for obfuscation is larger. But, you know, there's a very legitimate reason for obfuscating. And I have used tornado cash in the in the past, basically. Yeah. It's like, um, I, I mean, it's I've used it mostly for the use case that I wanted a fresh address and I wanted to fund it with gas money. This is kind of, this is, and I think this is what most people but used it for. Totally. If you want to send money to a friend without uh, revealing what, what uh, how much you have, you need to use this kind of tooling. Otherwise, it's, it's easy to track. So at the end, or, or an exchange. I mean, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that, you know, a centralized layer of application. Yeah. 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 I mean, people use, I mean, I know lots of people and I have done this too. I've used Kraken that way. Kind of let's pay. Me too. It's kind of, it, it, <laughs> I it, do too, yeah. I think they've removed that use case largely because basically now you only have one pay-in address. You, yeah. you used to be able to generate as US. many pay-in addresses as you wanted. Um, and now they no longer have that. So basically that's kind of like gone. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, in principle, I think privacy tooling 
we need this, the skeleton technology here. Everything is public. Everything should not be public. Exactly. It's like everything should be trustless. Yes. Should everything be public? Absolutely not. So totally. And for me, the problem is not the technology. The problem obviously is the, is the, is the people. For example, imagine that a terrorist use a mobile phone to put a, to put a bomb. Should we ban mobile phones because of that? Makes no sense, right? So at the end, the problem is not the technology, it's how we use it. So it's security theater. It's kind of like, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I probably end up on a no-fly list for saying this, but it's like the TSA, right? So basically it's like, I could think of so many ways of kind of smuggling like contraband and, you know, ex dangerous things on board, you know, bypassing the TSA because, you know, th they're looking for bombs and shoes. I mean, yeah. it's like, yeah. And I mean, if you look at how much time it costs us and how unpleasant it makes the experience <laughs> of flying. Yeah, I mean, but it gives people the illusion of security exactly. um, and uh, it gives uh, control to the state. And somehow this is... <laughs> yeah, you want to talk about illusion of security? You know that big lever on the... On <laughs> On the on the, uh, the the escape hatch in the plane. Yeah, yeah. One one way to one way to take over a plane, I guess. Pull that big lever. It's right there in front of everyone. <laughs> I have one more point. I would, and it's kind of it's it's admittedly, you know, seeing what we've talked about, you know, in the past, uh, you know, hour or so, it's on the lighter side. But I wanna I wanna start a movement for like more age appropriate swag. So I feel like I've I've been aged out of the swag. So basically I, I pass all of these boots and you know, like it's like neon colored hmm. hats that glow in the dark that basically you would wear to a rave. Like, you know, just bring back the regular t-shirts, the tote bags. Yeah, oh, we one. want yeah, <laughs> these kinds of this kind of swag. We want we want that swag pack. You're you're probably looking for like some uh, like like mommy swag like mommy swag. like like uh, like dap node pacifier or uh, kid bottle. Or... You, you you will laugh. So basically, no noses employees and friends who actually um who have kids, we send them um a a, a onesie uh, with an owl with a pacifier. You know, in the beak. Yeah, so that's it's good. Like, and everyone loves it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, I don't want that. But basically, I don't want a fanny pack either. I mean, it's kind of like <laughs> I, 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 I know that the cool kids wear them. I know this. I see it all the time. Makes me feel very old. But to me, a fanny pack is something that, you know, my grandma said you needed to take on holiday so you weren't robbed, you know, on the dangerous Italian streets or something. Now it's going to be, I think, 10, yeah, 10 years next year that I've been in crypto. And I def definitely feel like a lot of times I'm, I'm the oldest person in the room and uh <laughs> right uh, well yeah. i mean i don't I think of it that way it's just it, it's like now there's you know, those people who are like younger than i was when i came into crypto who are like just getting into crypto and um yeah there there is a there is a generational gap i think and also that shows you like you know the people who listen to epicenter like nobody under 30 is listening to epicenter <laughs> it's just true if you're under 30 and you're listening to this let us know on twitter yeah, yeah. <laughs> like we'll, we'll get tweets saying like my dad makes me listen to this <laughs> thank you uh thank you both for welcome for taking part in this and um yeah thanks for listening thanks for being part of this live stream and we'll see you again next week Thank you for joining us on this week's episode. We release new episodes every week. You can find and subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to podcasts. 
And if you have a Google Home or Alexa device, you can tell it to listen to the latest episode of the Epicenter podcast. Go to epicenter.tv slash subscribe for a full list of places where you can watch and listen. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for the newsletter so you get new episodes in your inbox as they're released. If you want to interact with us, guests, or other podcast listeners, you can follow us on Twitter. And please leave us a review on iTunes. It helps people find the show, and we're always happy to read them. So thanks so much, and we look forward to being back next week.